Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, beware, be cautious, be careful in the days ahead of the distractions of your adversary. Look over here. No, look over here. No, look over here. He will get you involved. Show me that again, Lord. Yes. He will drain your attention and pull it toward the things of this world. But you must fight to keep yourself focused on the things of God. Make a decision in your heart. I will not be distracted. Things are happening so quickly, so fast, you have to realize that there are suddenlies of the adversary, but there are also suddenlies of God. And the path of your life will put you on one or the other. So move forward into the things of God like never before. Stand upon the Word. Yield to the Spirit. Be caught away with the flow of that which is going on, and you shall see the distractions of this world will lose their power. And some of them that seem so serious, you'll just laugh and say, I'm not even going that direction. So rise up today and realize they are being aimed at you. Open your eyes and see them for what they are, and I will give you instant deliverance as you turn from that towards me, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Boy, that was good. Man, that was so good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. You love the Lord? Wow, let's teach the Word for a few moments here. Is that the right time? I've got to. Oh, okay. I'm just wondering, you know. In your Bibles this morning, turn to John chapter 5. Now, we're studying a subject called operational faith. When, I was, when the Lord began to deal with me about John chapter 5, I was hesitant. I said, well, Lord, I, you know, I felt, felt in my spirit you said, told, told me to, uh, to teach on operational faith. And in this, in this particular event, now, let me give you a little historical background. You know, the, 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 the canon of Scripture that we know as the Bible was gathered from the ancient manuscripts that were passed many times from one family to the next or from one, one synagogue to the next or one church to the next. It's things like the letters to the church, a Paul's uh, revelation letter. Uh, um, um, all of the Old Testament was already in print. Uh, the, the, uh, the law, the Pentateuch, that's the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was already you know, part of the, the standard of the Jewish religion. So we had basically the Old Testament and they gathered the writings that they felt like would be uh, divinely inspired. And they had a criteria for that. Now, when going through these books and coming to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, there was great debate over whether to put this story in or not. Uh, uh, some translators uh, did not want to put this story in. They, they did not think that it was a viable uh, 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 a story but there was enough evidence in it 
uh, in, the, in the information that they had for them to include John chapter 5, the story we're going to read in the canon of scriptures. And I thank God uh, that, that, uh, that God did that because there's some things in there we need to see that are very important to, to operational faith. Now, you know, great testimonies should inspire you. And one of the most inspirational testimonies uh, of my life that I, I learned this testimony as a very young, young child is the story of a man that we know as Brother Kenneth e. Hagan. And the reason I'm going to mention his story today is because there is, a, there is something that God does with his word called illumination. Now there's revelation, everybody say revelation, but there's also illumination. And illumination is like turning on a light. Every one of you have had this happen to you, whether you realize what it is or not. Either reading the Bible or having the Word of God taught, and it was almost like a light comes. I've seen people, and I've been teaching and teaching, and I've seen someone, and all of a sudden something will hit them, and you can almost see a light come into their face, and they won't even be here the rest of the service. I mean, have you ever had that happen to you? It's happened to me. That's illumination is what that is. And illumination is unique because what it is, it's the ability of the Holy Ghost to take and present the Word to you. And when that happens, listen, when that happens, something wonderful is fixing to happen. Something glorious is fixing to happen. I've seen it in the altars before in ministering many times, especially when we traveled, where a word would come and it would be a word of illumination. And that illumination would do the job right there at the altar. I mean, right there at the altar. I remember one time we, had a, uh, uh, we were in a meeting. Uh, uh, I don't remember if you were with me or not, but we called up in this particular church, there were like, 17 or 18 couples who were right there, right there at the divorce court. Right at the divorce court. And uh, so we called them up and we laid hands on them and I backed off and the word of the Lord came to me. And when the word of the Lord came to me, the word of the Lord was this. I pointed to the man and I said, your problem is you don't realize you're married to God's daughter. And I pointed to the men and I said, you don't realize, I mean, I'm pointing to the women. I said, you don't realize you're married to God's son. And when I said that, see, I can say that to you and I goes, yeah, doesn't mean nothing. It doesn't. But down there at that altar, in that particular place, at that particular time, the Holy Ghost was there and it was an illumination to those couples. And they begin to weep. And they begin to cry. And those men begin to grab and, and gather their wives up in their arms. It was amazing what God did. But it was a moment of an illumination of a word. Amen. Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, it's, it's an amazing documented story, was born very premature. He was born into a very dysfunctional family. His father had left the family home uh, when he was six years old. But when he was born, he was born and, and his grandmother was attending to, the, to his mother. And, and, and he said, the grandmother told him later in life, he said, when you were born, you were no bigger than a small rat. He said, the doctor basically took you from the mother, laid you on a small, uh, uh, a, a small piece of cloth and didn't even, didn't even give you any attention because he thought you were already dead. Already dead. So he, they continued to work to try to save the mother. I mean, it was, a, it was all, an all-day thing to try to save the mother. So as the doctor left after that initial visit, he wrapped Brother Hagen up in that little cloth, handed it to the grandmother, and the grandmother, he said to the grandmother, just go and may, maybe bury it out in the garden or something. So she took Brother Hagen, who was premature, just an infant, just born, no bigger than a, than, than a rat. Uh, he said, so she looked, he looked like a wet rat, you know. And so uh, uh, she took him, and they had smokehouses back then where they used to kill hogs and they used to smoke meat in these smokehouses. This is up in the Dallas area. And so uh, she took him and when she went into that smokehouse, Brother Hagen sneezed. 
And she detected a, a, a spark of life in him. And she put him in a, in a diaper that she had to cut. Uh, you know, you take a diaper, she had to cut a quarter out of it and put him in a little diaper and put him in a little dress and, and, and brought him to the doctor. And the doctor said, well, he won't make it through the night. And he reached into his pocket and pulled out some, uh, what would you call it, a formula or, or some kind of stuff that you give infants. And he said, you know, this will last longer than he does. Well, it didn't. And he grew into a, into a young boy. And at about age eight or nine, he was diagnosed with three diseases, any one of which would have killed him. He had a deformed heart. His heart did not function properly. He probably had leukemia at some later stage because he said, when they drew my blood, it looked like weak orange juice. And the doctor explained to him, he said, everything in your blood that goes on in your blood, your cells fight, each one, fight one another to destroy one another. And everything they had diagnosed him with, nobody had lived beyond their 16th birthday. And sure enough, two weeks before his 15th birthday, he became bedridden. Went into the bed in, in, in McKinney, Texas, and, uh, and, and, and to die, to die. Uh, the only minister that came to visit him, and which he said later in life, I wish he wouldn't have come. You know, patted his hand and said, you know, uh, uh, it won't be long now. Hold on, it won't be long now. That type of stuff, you know. And so there's this little 15-year-old boy, paralyzed from the waist down, laying in a bed. 1933 in McKinney, Texas, dying. No hope. But see, Grandma left a Methodist Bible in there. And he started digging into that Bible. And the story of what happened in those 18 months as he dug into that Bible, he came to the place where he told God, if you were to appear before me right now and tell me that you're not healed, I would have to tell you, I am. Amen? But then in the study of the Word of God, he came to Mark chapter 11. Whosoever shall shave of this mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea, shall not doubt in their heart, but believe those things which they say have to come to pass, shall, believe, shall, shall have whatsoever they say. Therefore, I say, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it, and you shall have it. When he said that that last time, God illuminated that to him. And as a, as a 17-year-old dying boy, totally paralyzed now from the chest down, he pulled himself up on the bedpost and stood there hanging on to the bedpost, declaring, I am the healed of God. And he said, something fell out of heaven. He said it felt like warm honey. He said from the top of his head, and it ran down his body till it came to the bottom of his feet. And he stood there perfectly healthy, perfectly healthy. And gave us 62 years of the John the Baptist ministry for the body of Christ before Jesus comes back. See, that one scripture was illuminated. It's not that God just said, well, I'm going to pick you out, predestination. No, he had to fight for it. Now, this is something that we have to understand. Life is a fight. Nobody drove that into me more than, than, than Pastor John Osteen. You have to fight life through. You've got to be a fighter. 
You have to fight life through. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. Listen, once you get saved, once you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you know a little bit about the Word of God. You got to get in there and you got to make a decision. I'm going to take this is mine. Devil, you can't have it. World, you cannot have it. Mind, you're not going to steal it from me. Flesh, you're not going to. You got to make a decision. And when you do that, yeah, you'll get revelation, revelation. But days will come in your life when God will illuminate something to you. And that illumination will cause you to rise up in the power of God. Now, John chapter 5, let's read here just for a moment. It says, now after this, now you know the this is the, the, the miracles that he was doing in the previous chapter. The nobleman's son was healed. That was a, a great miracle there of operational faith. We'll look at that in a couple of weeks. It said, after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is a Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool. Everybody say a pool. Which is called in the Hebrew tongue, but Sayada having uh, five porches. Now, the name Bethsaida means the house of loving kindness. But this was no beautiful, how could you say this, beautiful garden in which, you know, people were lounging around in and, and nice clothes and just waiting for something cool to happen. This was a desperate place. First of all, it was the sheep market. So this was a place in which, you know, you got to understand they didn't have big trucks and trailers and trains. You had to drive your sheep from wherever they were into the city to sell them there. So they had a place where they could water the sheep. They had a place where they could tend to the sheep, maybe, you know, do what they needed. So it was, it was an agricultural place. And in this agricultural place, a supernatural phenomenon was happening. Now notice this. This is very unusual. It said, in these lay a great multitude. Now notice this. One, one translation says, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Amen. Now you got to realize, you know, it's kind of, kind of, uh, a lot of people aren't here this morning. Most services will have anywhere from 175 to 200, 225. Maybe special service, we might have upwards of 300. But could you imagine hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of halt and lame and withered and, and sick and suffering people laying around a bunch of porches? I mean, that, that's what this is. This is what is happening. But something is going on that's giving them, like, let me say it like this it's inspiring their hope, it's not imparting faith. But it's inspiring their hope. Amen. Now notice what it says. It says, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped into the stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. In Jerusalem, at this point in time, at a place in Jerusalem that has been designated for, for, for sheep herders and shepherds to bring sheep to water to get ready for market. A lot of lame, halt, withered, blind, suffering, sick people have ended up there because a supernatural phenomenon is happening. An angel comes down to that particular pool and troubles it, puts a stir on the water. When he does, whosoever first into the water is healed of whatsoever. So God obviously with that angel was putting enough anointing, anointing into whatever that angel was stirring that water was with to get one person healed. One person healed. One person healed. So I don't know how long the season was. He did it every day. did it once a month. I don't know. But every time that one person got it, that one person got healed. Now let me ask you a question. Jesus hadn't died. He hadn't took stripes upon his back. None of that had happened yet. But God is still so concerned about suffering people. He was doing that. That shows you the compassion of God. 
I've heard people try to explain all kind of goofy stuff of why that was happening. None of that's true. That, that was going on because God cares about suffering people. Amen? He cares about you if you're suffering. He cares about you if you have pain. He cares about you if you've been diagnosed. He cares about you if you're dying. He cares and he does not want that for you. He wants his provision for your life. So why it was going on like that, I don't know. I just know it was going on. Amen? But this is what's unique about Jesus. Jesus is going up to Jerusalem. You can see a crowd, you know, a whole crowd of people, a whole crowd of people, a whole crowd of people, and he's going up to Jerusalem with this crowd. But then he breaks loose. One breaks loose from the crowd and goes to the place in which the most suffering people are. That shows us the nature of God, how God wants to help people. He does. He wants to help you. Everybody say, he wants to help me. So you're going to have to let him, amen? Now notice this. Notice what it says here. It says, and a certain man was there. Here we go. Here's the story. A certain man was there. Let me get back here. A certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Man, I don't like to have an infirmity for 30 and 8 minutes. <laughs> Amen. I'll tell you the sicker I get, the meaner I get. So I don't, I don't get sick, you know. I don't like to be mean. Amen. But I'll tell you what, you don't have to put up with it. I'm here to tell you, you can grow in your faith to where you don't have to put up with the symptoms of sickness and disease. You can walk in faith. You can live in faith. And let me tell you, church, what's better than healing in the altar is the divine health you live in by your faith. And it is a fight. And it is a fight. Now notice this. Certain man which there which had an infirmity 38 years. Now I didn't say he'd been there 38 years. He said he'd been sick 38 years. But he'd been there long enough for something to happen to him. And when Jesus saw him, oh my goodness, you have to understand, Jesus does not turn his face from you when you are at your worst. Come on, church, somebody needs to get a hold of that. For some reason, some picture has been painted in this word of faith charismatic crowd that you've got to be this perfect Christian with perfect posture and perfect teeth and a perfect smile and perfect breath and doing everything right and getting all the square pegs in the square holes and all the round pegs in the round. That is not what the picture of God has for His children on the earth. We are just common people fighting through life, doing everything we can do to believe God. Don't let that picture get in your head. This is a suffering man. I like to say it like this. I'll tell you what, I believe this, and I believe I'll back it up when we get to heaven. I believe this was the most discouraged man in that city. I believe this was the man that felt in his own heart he was the furthest from God. Can you imagine what it was like the first time he heard about the miracle pool? He'd been sick 38 years. He'd been lame for 38 years. He'd been infirm for 38 years. Could you imagine when somebody came and said, Hey, man, do you know what's going on in Jerusalem? What? Well, I heard that down by the sheep market, every once in a while, there's some, there's some apparition. Some, maybe it's an angel. I don't know what it is. But you'll see it, and then the water will be troubled, and somebody will jump in, and they'll come out. I saw a leper get healed. I saw a blind man get healed. I saw people that were, that were cruel. I saw him get healed. And the guy, what do you think the guy did? All of a sudden, hope came. There's a place. There's a place. There's a place. And see, a lot of times we do that with our churches. But there's not a place for us. I said there's not a place. There's a person. There's a person, not a place. 
They told him about the place and he got hope. Now, could you imagine his first visit? Somebody may have wheeled him. Somebody may have carried him. Whatever it was, he looked, saw that, whatever that aberration may have been, that troubling of the water. I don't know, a blind, a leper, whatever, jumped out, came out. Oh, my goodness, it works. It's really true. So now he has a hope based on an experience. Amen? So that probably motivated him to stay there. Now, notice what happened to him as he stayed by the miracle pool. Now, notice. It says, and when Jesus saw him lie, Jesus saw him, saw him in his discouragement, saw him in his pain, saw him in his hurt, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, now, this is, this is where we're going to stop here for just a moment, then we'll go back to the guy. Wilt thou be made whole? Now, you got to hear this in the context in which you're being said. This guy's laying there. He's just laying there. He ain't got enough strength to get up and get into the miracle pool. And he's laying there. And Jesus walks up to him and says, it ain't up to the miracle pool, it's up to you. Will you be made whole? Now let me tell you something, church. Until, until you answer this question correctly, wholeness will evade you. You may temporarily tap into some provisions from God be healed at an altar sometime, have some little financial breakthrough, but that ain't wholeness, church. God does not want you living on manna. I said God does not want you living on manna. Manna is a type of lifestyle that requires a miracle every day to be sustained. No, God wants you producing manna. You say, what do you mean by that? God wants things coming out of your life that touch and help other people and you are their miracle and you are their provision and they grow in and they become the same thing. That's how the kingdom of, kingdom of God expands. Will you be made whole? you got to answer that question. And when you answer that question, you can say, well, yeah, I'll be made whole and just sit there and think something's going to happen. Nothing will happen. Your being made whole is going to be dependent upon your willingness to respond to either revelation or illumination. And God can read you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He's not going to give any illumination to anybody who's not ready to act on it. He'll give revelation to everybody. Revelation becomes a choice of whether you're going to obey it or not. But honey, when He gives illumination, it is time to step into that and receive from God. So here, here He's. I mean, if you didn't know the nature of, of Jesus, you'd think that was a cruel joke. What do you mean, will I be made whole? Notice his response. I have no man. When the water is troubled. But when the water is troubled, another always steppeth down before me. The plight of humanity. That's the story right there. It's not my fault. See, that, that's, that's, that's what we do. We let all the drama and trauma of life gang up on us and then it turns itself and communicates this to you. And your fault. You're a victim. You're a victim. You're not the right color. You're not the right gender. You don't live in the right place. You don't go to the right church. You're not married to the right person. See, God, God, know, God knows the enemy looks. He probes you constantly. Constantly. There's a movie Lee and I have watched over the years and we do not recommend it in any way. I won't even tell you the name of it. But it is a masterful, masterful. Let's just say it like this. Hollywood knows how to show its own face if you let, it, if you let them do it. They know how to pick the right person who can do it. And so uh, a little while back, we were kind of peeking in on this movie a little bit, and, and it was communication of the devil 
to someone's mind. And it was amazing how every question that he asked, it, what it did, it victimized the individual, but it released the one asking the question from the one making him the victim. It's not your fault. Just born at the wrong time, born in the wrong place, born with the wrong people, the wrong color, the wrong height, the wrong weight. He'll show you everything wrong with you. And then he'll exacerbate it by having others around you agree with him. Society will do it. And if you get caught up in that, then you become just like this guy. You can lay around a miracle move of God and become a victim. I don't know how long he stayed around, but it was long enough for his hope to go to discouragement because what happens to you when you see people receive all around you and you're not receiving, you end up laying down. I wrote this, I want to get this note right. The Lord spoke this to me the other day. I thought it was really good. Listen, this is where you get into a place of life where you decide because no one else is willing to lend effort to help recover you you become unwilling to be recovered. You say, what do you mean by that? You got to get up. You got to double up your spiritual fist. You got to say, devil, you're not going to have me. I'm not going to sit here till we die. I'm going to rise up with all the strength I have. And if I ain't got enough strength, I'm going to trust God that he's going to give me strength. And I'm not going to sit here till I die. I'm going to rise up in the midst of this situation. And I am going to do what God says. And I'm going to receive from God. You, I don't care if you're 8 or 80. It does not matter. When you answer that question, will you be made whole? Or you can just be a victim your whole life. And I, I tell you, I've, I've, I've watched... I guess since COVID, I've watched less and less of news and all that kind of stuff because it is totally geared to make you a victim. And now the narrative is that we're all victims. Well, I'm not. Amen. I'm a victor in Christ Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror. And I'm not going to fall for some governmental or some political or some racial, or any other narrative that reduces what God says about me into some human term that makes me a victim. I don't care if I'm their poster boy or not. He's laying there in the midst of really a supernatural healing move and ends up discouraged, blaming everybody else for his problem. Now notice Jesus. I mean, Jesus is cool as a cucumber. This would have been my opportunity if I was Jesus to kind of, you know, here he's by the So you sit down fine. You say, okay, let me talk to you a while here. You need faith. And I'm Jesus. So I'm going to talk to you. And you got to understand as I talk to you, that's, that's, that's revelation. You need to hear that. So I'm going to talk to you and counsel you. Now, I know you've got to have a tough life. And so we're going to discuss those things. And we're going to, you know, we'll let you, I know everybody's got a problem. He's talk about it. Don't fall for that trap. Amen? You need to just get it out. You know, if you get it out, you feel better. Now, whoever come up with that? You're not better. Amen? No, no. Jesus did this. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. He turned around and walked off. We'll just put it in good old, good old uh, Galveston vernacular. Get up. Adios. That's what happened. But he spoke an illuminating word. 
Illuminating words create suddenlies. A lot of people never have suddenlies in their life because they're unwilling to position themselves in a place where God can speak a word of illumination to them. Illumination literally means to be lit. Amen. You know what powers this whole world? Do you know what powers the whole world? Light powers the world. And God is light. And He knows how to illuminate. And he can take any circumstance, any situation, sure, and he can impart revelation and revelation and you can mature and grow out of that. And that's usually the process that God takes. But church, there are some things that happen to us we can't grow out of. We need to be delivered from. Amen. And there's all kind of people that want to grab your head and grab you by the ears and shake you and get you to throw up and puke and choke and do all this kind of stuff. And then finally when they finish with you, they say, the devil's gone. And he's just laughing. Amen. But God has you on a path of righteousness to get you to a place of illumination and revelation helps you get there. That's why you got to study, read, meditate, confess the word, stand in the word of God, live in the word. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. What happened to me on March the 7th, 2000, uh, excuse me, 1984, be 39 years ago this coming March, what happened to me that night is I was illuminated. I had revelation. I'd been taught revelation since I was a child. I had rejected it for over 12 years, but I stood there, and as Billy Graham preached on, the, on, on television about Noah and about righteousness, an illumination came to me. Honey, I was bound by drugs. I didn't experiment with them. I was in a full-scale investigation. I couldn't go. I couldn't. Well, I guess I'll have to go through detox. Withdrawals in a moment of time without ever feeling anything, seeing anything, hearing anything that would I would, you know, determine as supernatural. No feeling, a knowing. I knew I was delivered. I got up, I remember getting up off of the floor. I was living in my parents. I went into my room. I took, I had a whole thing of albums. I took all those albums. I had weed. I had all this. I took it, I threw it all away. Threw every bit of it away. And boy, that walk back from that trash can, you talk about the devil. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? How are you going to sleep tonight? How are you going to sleep tonight? What are you going to do now? And let me tell you something. When I went back home, when I went back to my room, it wasn't the glory of God. It wasn't, it wasn't Jesus in my room. It was the devil. And buddy, he went into warfare. He, went, he knew. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't him wanting to keep me in sin because I was some great sinner. He didn't want me becoming a believer. He didn't want that. And I tell you, I fought things that were supernatural. And I didn't have no teaching. All I, this is all I had. This, you, you ready? This is all I had. This is it. Bottom line, this is it. No. That's it. That's all I had. That's all I had. No. 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 That was on, that was on a Wednesday night, Thursday morning. My body, I wasn't, I, I wasn't going through withdrawals. My body was screaming because it wanted something that I was not willing to give it anymore. But that no, see, that's where that illumination, that suddenly, 
that no was so strong that everything the devil tried to do to me for the next two weeks, he tried to do, he tried, friends came to me with money they owed me. They came to me with product they owed me. Uh, old girlfriends and people's wives, they came trying to pick me up and take me. No, 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 no. That was it. Look, of course, I grew through revelation over the years, matured and grew out of all that stuff. But it was that one illumination on March the 7th, 1984, that radically changed my life. How powerful was it? 39 years later, I'm still here. I still feel pretty good. I ain't broke. I don't owe anybody anything but to love them. I got a cool wife. Nice dog. I got a cool church. Got the biggest little church in the world. Amen? I'm kind of having fun living right now. World can go to hell on a skateboard. I don't care. I've got somewhere else I'm going. Let's wind this up. How's my Oh, my goodness. I preached at 1130. I hope, you didn't, I hope your reservation hadn't been canceled. Now, notice the two statements of the Lord Jesus. Will you be made whole? Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now you can continue to study into the chapter and you'll see that when asked who healed you, he said, I don't know. But he went to find out. He was pretty curious about who did that, you know. This man... His healing. You cannot pull it over into the realm and say, okay, this can be equated to faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. His acting up, because he really did not have any faith. Are you with me? His, 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 what would you call it? His confession? What was his confession? I have no man. Ain't my fault. It's up to me. I'd get in the water. So that was, it. That, was his, that, was, that was his heart. That was everything about him. Now in that, you got what? Now could you imagine what that would do to you? If, if here at Island Church, you know, every, say every month, once a month at a certain time, you know, this place would fill with, fill with fog and every person here uh, that was sick, uh, when the fog lifted, they were healed. And we knew the date it would happen. Well, you'd have, we'd have to start having church in the, in the, in the football stadium. Amen. Because, see, everybody's faith would be in that fog. Man, if we could get that fog here, we can get healed. See, that's what man has regressed to. And see, that, 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 that stirring of the miracle. Now, here's the thing. That stirring of the, uh, of the miracle, it's not that that does not happen anymore. I mean, I mean in, a, in any service at any time, with the majority of the ministers that stand in this pulpit, someone could stop and say, you're healed, and you'd be healed. You know, Joe Morris ministers, uh, Brother Joe Morris ministers without, without fanfare, without, you know, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, he's kind of like, well, you're healed. You know, you're healed, and, and, you know, you're healed. I remember one time I was uh, sitting in a meeting with uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland, and he had just prayed for a lady that had epilepsy. And he laid hands on her, and she went into an epileptic, epileptic fit. You know how they have this grand mal seizures. Grand mal in French means big evil. Amen. So she's flopping on the floor like a fish you just pull out of the water. He just turns around and walks off. The pastor's freaking out. The usher's saying, come back and meet us. All the people are coming up laying. He said, oh, I don't believe that. 
And they got so mad at him. I mean, they accused him for three days. That's the most unkind. That's, did you know in three days she went to the doctor and they couldn't find any epilepsy in her law? Amen? So you've got to understand there is a stir of the miraculous. There is a stir. There are times when it comes down, when the Holy Ghost moves and signs in one. But then there are the other times when the Word walks through the crowd with illumination. Walks through the crowd. Uh, one of the most outstanding healing testimonies, I, I've only had two people that I know of in our ministry healed of blindness. One of them, it was in Pastor Randy's church of a woman who her eyes were closed with cataracts and I got up and taught for four nights on Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood. On the third night, she waited. We come out the door and she was little leg. She went up to the pastor, started talking to him. Then she grabbed me by the arm and said, I just wanted to tell you why y'all were teaching the cataracts fell off my eyes and I can see perfectly. What happened? She was illuminated right there sitting in the seat. So we've got to understand this word, this thing right here, that word, that Bible, those words, how was the man able to get up? Because when Jesus said, rise, take up thy bed and walk, in a realm that we cannot see, within those words was power. And when they went into the ears of that man, that power was so strong, it was able to overcome 38 years. No, you're not getting that. You can yell that all you want. But it was strong enough to overcome 38 years. Rise, take a... I don't know who said it. All I know is when that word went into my ears, I knew that word was the truth. So I got up. That's exactly what happened to Brother Hagin. He was illuminated. I can tell you stories of others. I I, I feel closer to Brother Hagin's story because I've known him all my life. But that's amazing. Every time he would get up there and preach, I would think, he was born dead. Here he is up here preaching. God illustrates to us so often how powerful his word works when we're looking past it for the fog or the stirring or the lightning bolt or whatever it is. We're thinking, if we got if we got that, when we got it. No. No, 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 no. No, no. If you've got the word of God, if you've got the word of God, then you have all of his power. All the power necessary. You just need to be to the place. And I've said it over and over, and it's so simple where you quit listening and you start hearing. You say, how do you know the difference? You'll know when you do it. You'll know when you do it. You say, well, I, just, I just don't understand that. It's the same principle in which you got saved and all of a sudden the cigarettes became distasteful. The beer didn't taste the same. The, 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 uh, the weed didn't work anymore. You know, the, the perverse lifestyle, no pleasure there, none of that. No, and you're thinking, what's going on? See, you're looking at the negative side. You thought you've lost something, but in reality, you've gained something. What you've gained is this. You ready? What you've gained is this. No. When God healed you, you know what you got? You got a no. He said, no. No, no more. The doctors told you that. Years had told you that. Time had told you that. But what did God put in you? Nope. You were illuminated, see? Great testimony he had. Many of you too have that same t- Alan, when he was when he was suffering with cancer, illumination came to him. He picked up the phone, told the doctors, nope, that's it. You can't do that with your mind when you've been diagnosed and been treated. And in the middle of your treatment, you say, huh, forget it. They said, you'll be dead in what, six months or something, two years? That's been almost 20 years ago. Illumination. See, God has that for all of us. 
Where is it, Pastor? It's on your, as you serve God on that path of righteousness of your life, I guarantee you, those places that you think that's the most difficult thing I'll ever have to face, God can get you out of it with a snap of His fingers. If you're in the place where He can speak to you, will you be made whole? Will you be made whole? And you answer that question correctly, see, will you be made whole? He must have answered that in His heart. And Jesus said, hmm, I'll give him under illumination, see what he'll do with it. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Up he got. Didn't even know. He didn't, oh, I heard of Jesus. No, he didn't hear of Jesus. No, no, no. No, no. But that did not, that did not impair Jesus from ministering to him. Isn't that good? Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you for your word. Oh, Lord, the entrance of your word bringeth light and life. We thank you that with your word we can be educated. With your word we can renew our mind. With your word salvation comes. Word brings healing. Word brings prosperity. Word reveals Jesus. Jesus gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And when that which we listen to becomes that which we hear, revelation knowledge flows. And when the Holy Ghost touches that revelation knowledge, Thank you for that illumination. A moment of time. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, I'll say that. <laughs> I know right now in my path of righteousness, I'm heading for a place of illumination. You say, what place is that? Well, building that building, to many people, they get frustrated because they're not, they're, not, they're not living in the patience that faith provides. Because out of every great faith struggle comes a testimony. Sometimes time has to be involved in that. We believe God for. You know, see what I'm saying? And I know in my spirit because I've seen it. I, I'm more in faith over that building than when we first started. Believe in God. But I know that walking this path of righteousness, I'm coming up to a place in which illumination will take place. And what that illumination will do, it'll release finances for that building. Amen. It'll happen. You watch. Just as, I, just as sure as I'm telling you right now, we'll get up one day with a check or a, or a piece of paper showing a deposit or something. Say, here it is. Crank up the tractors. We're going to move to our, we're not going to be in a, in a storefront any longer. I've seen other churches go through the same thing that we've gone through over the years and quit in the middle of it. The churches don't even exist anymore. And I've seen others build the building and quit. You know, they say the life expectancy of a pastor after he builds a building is two years. <laughs> now, I mean in his ministry, you know, that he stays in the ministry. Many of them build a building, then what else are we going to do? Honey, get that building built over there and we'll have so much to do, I guarantee you. Plus, we have the nations of the world to deal with. Amen. But for your life too, think about your greatest need. Think about your greatest need in your life. Are you walking that path of righteousness? Receiving revelation? Are you in the place in which illumination can come? It's all through the Word. When, when, when Moses stood at the burning bush, he was illuminated. But he had to draw near. He could have stood afar off and watched it burn and thought it curious. But the Bible says he drew near. When he drew near, God spoke to him. When Joshua met the captain of the host of the Lord, and he said, take off your shoe from off your foot, for this is holy ground. Right after that, in the next chapter, that angel illuminated him. He said, here's how we're going to do it. 
We're going to march seven days, six days. We're not going to say a word on the seventh day. Let all the people shout. You know what he was doing? He was letting all the people be involved in the victory of God. Not just one general, not just one leader, but everyone had a voice in God's victory. Illumination. Illumination took place. Amen. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin. That was an illumination of Jesus. All down. The, 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 the book of Revelation is an illumination. Light turned on the future. And God says, here's your future. And it's not revelations, it's revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus, who is the Word. So, what we do many times, and I don't mean to belabor this, we try to allow our intellect into the party. And when that happens, you're going to get frustrated. Because one of the greatest abilities of renewing your mind with the Word of God is in your mind you have a no. Nope. I'm not thinking that. I don't think that way. I don't accept that thought. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands one more time. Father, we worship you. You love the Lord this morning? Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. Real quick, just for a moment. If you're not living right, doing right, serving God the way you should, or if you've never met Jesus and made him Lord or Savior, and you need to get right this morning, anybody like that here, raise your hand up real high. Let me see. Anyone? I'll pray for you. Praise God. One hand, two hands. God bless you. Anyone else? Another hand goes, three hands. God bless you. Anyone else? Another hand, maybe. Praise the Lord. No maybes. Praise God. Let me look one more time, real quick. We see yours. You can put it down after you raise it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, everybody stand. Everybody stand. Now, when we pray this prayer, this is, I've, I've noticed this over all the years of our ministry. A lot of times people will come under the inspiration of a message that is preached. They're inspired by that message. They like that message. But see, there's an underlying power in every word that God speaks. And that is His ability to open up to you, just literally, literally open up to you the reality of what He is saying to you by His Word. Now, God begins by saying, I'm not willing that anyone should perish. So you ought to rejoice in that because he's declaring you valuable. Let me try that again. I said you ought to rejoice in that because he's declaring you valuable. And if he declares you valuable, it doesn't matter what anybody on this place, on this planet says, you are valuable. You're worthy. You're worth something to God. Amen. So a lot of people, they, they pray the sinner's prayer. Yeah, yeah, ask Jesus. And then, you know, they come back a couple weeks later and say, yeah, I got to get right with God. Yeah, I got it. And so they get in this rut of coming to church, getting right, and going out and living wrong. And that right there, eventually, one or the other is going to establish itself in, in your life. And what's going to establish itself is going to be your unrighteousness and your doubt and your fear. And it's going to become a standard of your behavior because you've not allowed the revelation of God to bring you to a place in which you pray that prayer you're illuminated you say no wait a minute I'm born again I can't do that if you're still doing something that you know is sin that you were doing before you got saved you are forcing yourself to do it 
I can't help myself. No, you are helping yourself. Let me try that again. I, I think that didn't land as good as it could have. I can't help myself. Oh, yes, you can. You are helping yourself do it. So there's help going on. It's just in the wrong place. So the Bible says the first altar call of the church that ever took place on planet Earth at the end of the service, at the end of the sermon, before we dismissed and went to the restaurant, Peter said this, save yourself. So you've got to do something after you're saved to save yourself from what? This wicked, perverse, and untoward generation which has ingrained itself in your mind and your flesh. And if you really understood that, you'd feel very helpless. Then all of a sudden you understand, wait a second. I have received something from God. 2,000 years ago, he raised his son Jesus from the dead. And when he raised him from the dead, he raised him with power. He raised him with authority. He raised him with anointing. He raised him in dignity. In every positive attribute of God himself, he raised his son Jesus. Then he took that resurrection power, as unmeasurable as it is, and he measured it out into ever whosoever that would call on his name. And that was enough power. Oh, come on. That was enough power to raise. Now listen to this. The most dead man that had ever been dead upon the earth. Not just a dead man that died because of his sin. But the most dead man that died with your sin. And after... <laughs> After three days and three nights, Jesus said, no. That's what he did. No to death, no to hell, no to the grave, no to sickness, no to disease, no to man eternally ended up in a place never created for him. No, 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 no. And you got to realize there is enough power in that no to go into you and to get you up out of whatever you're in and to get you to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to live like this and I ain't dying like this in Jesus' name. And it'll put you in the fight. But it's a good fight. I said it's a good fight. So Matt, if it's your health, if it's your marriage, if it's life in general, whatever it is, remember this man. Jesus did not reject him. Jesus came to him and did the only thing he can do for him. That's all he could do for him. He couldn't do anything else. But it was enough. And it was more than enough. And he's done the same thing for us. All that raised their hands, let's all raise our hands with them. Let's pray this prayer out loud and let's just make this confession. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Word that was made flesh. That He came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died upon the cross, imparted revelation and illumination, demonstrated the grace and mercy of an all-powerful God. I believe in Him. I receive His Savior. I thank you that His blood cleanses me from all sin and all unrighteousness. 
Hearing Church, Island Church, November of 2022, I'm asking you, God, the God of heaven, the God of creation, the God of redemption, the God of my salvation. Give me that no. Put that no on the inside of me, and I will use it. I will say no to the pain. I will say no to the heartache. I will say no to the past. I will say no to the devil. I will say yes to you, Lord God. Illuminate me. Illuminate my mind. Illuminate my spirit man. Give me the strength of God. Let me live out my days upon this earth in victory. Father, if you do not send your son for the church, I will go by the way of the grave on my own terms because of your word and your illumination. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I said glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I was, I was in the home of a missionary in Ireland. I'd been preaching for, I'd been preaching for almost six years. This would have been in 1988, four years, but right, right into the fifth year of ministry. And I never ever, and I didn't fall for any of the traps. Either. I never, people would say, are you a prophet, apostle? I'd just say, I'm a preacher. And then they'd make, they'd make me mad sometimes by, well, you need to, you know, God's, you're standing, pull you got to, what are you? And I'd say, well, I'm a surfer. And that'd shut them up and all leave, you know. <laughs> Amen. But this, this couple asked me to come. There were other ministers in a conference, but I don't know why they asked me to come. But I, and, that, and so they started talking to me about some things going on in the nation that were very serious and that had to do with the, the move of God in an entire nation. And when they did that, it literally felt like somebody up there threw a blanket on me. And it was like a wavy blanket. It, it hit me and right across my shoulders and laid me on the floor. I mean, just like, just like somebody grabbed you and throw you on the floor. And when I hit the floor, I started laughing. And I laughed so hard, a couple of times I couldn't catch my breath. I was getting concerned. But I was laughing so hard that tears were just running down my face and there was two puddles of tears where my, where my face was. And so I got up after about 15 or 20 minutes, I was looking around. They were sitting on the couch kind of looking at me like... <laughs> One of them said, I wish we could have got some of that. And I was like, well, praise God, you know. So I went upstairs to my bedroom and the Spirit of God said, now, that's a teaching gift. You walk in the office of a teacher out of Ephesians chapter 4. I never told anybody. I never said anything. And it was actually two years later, 1990 or 91, I was preaching at a camp meeting. And one minister who was very well known in the nation, he preached the first service. I was preaching the second. He got up and said, now, we want Brother Rusty to come. We all know he's a teacher. That's what he said. Hmm, cool. But see, that was an illumination. And a lot of people get into trouble because they start calling themselves something that they're not because it not has been illuminated to them. Amen? So whatever it is in your life, here's the thing. God loves you. And you may feel like you're laying by some place where everybody's getting it and you're not getting nothing. But I've got good news for you. Jesus does not reject you. Jesus is not ashamed of you. You say, well, Pastor, I've gotten into sin. He, he does not care. He just wants you to rise up when he speaks that word of illumination to you, you have to respond. If you do, all the power 
I've had people tell me this for years. They say, where do you get your zeal? Where do you get your energy? Like you go, go, you do all this, then you go do all that, you go, how do you? I have no explanation other than there's power other than physical power. There's power other than mental power. And when you learn to live in, in Him, you live and move, and then you perpetually live in that. That doesn't mean you don't have to rest. Rest yourself, rest your body. It just means there's a strength beyond you. And that's what every one of us need. Amen? Made it all the way to 12 o'clock. And you didn't get mad. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we leave. Our faith is in you. We thank you for Psalms 91. Thank you that Psalms 91 is illuminated unto us. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling. Angels have charge over us. So, Father, we thank you as we leave today. We're protected. Highways, the airways, seaways, railways, any way of travel or transportation. Lord, in the righteous labor of our hands, in our businesses, in our schools, everywhere we go, everything we do, we declare there is a safety net around us. Angels of God. Thank you, Lord. Father, let the illumination of our heart become the fire of our zeal. Let us go into this, to this society, into this city, and let us be a blessing to people, an answer to their prayer, a problem to the devil. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love one toward another. Thank you for Island Church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. Covered by the blood, empowered by the word, joined you by the heart. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.